Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Overline Sports Podcast. On today's episode, me and my lovely co-host, Nate Kennedy, will be talking about the NBA's announcement to have a 22-team format. And uh, I'm glad to be joined, like I just mentioned, by Nate Kennedy. Nate, how's it going? Not too bad, bud. Excited to, excited to be here and talk about this, uh, this new uh, plan for restarting the NBA season. Yeah, so I think we should start off with how this came out earlier today on uh, Twitter. Agent Wojnarowski put out what we like to call a Woj bomb. Um, so basically what he said is that the NBA will be inviting 22 teams to Orlando where for the longest time they've been, uh, it's been rumored that they're going to play. And it's going to be 13 Western Conference teams and e- I'm sorry, nine Eastern Conference teams. And the, each team will play eight regular season games. And there will be a play-in for the eighth seed. And they're looking at this starting on July 31st and hoping it will be done by October 12th. So I think, obviously, the first thing that we should talk about is how do you feel about this proposal? Also, quickly, I want to shout out that I said on an earlier podcast that if they are going to do twenty um, something different than 24 teams, it was going to be less than 24 teams. So I'm just happy that I got that right. Yeah, very good on your part. Um, I like... I like the idea for the format. Um, I like the way it's set up so far, how they're basically giving uh, giving the nod to a lot of these teams who have already clinched or almost clinched, and then the contention will be between more likely the lower seeds in the respective conferences. Um, in terms of how they ended up doing it, the 13 Western Conference and 9 Eastern, I think it's more so just to just to play into the side of the uh, like game gaps and, uh, and standings gaps in terms of wins and losses towards the lower seeds in order to give those who are close to actually getting a playoff spot, a chance to actually clinch one. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the format's going to be good. I think by the time, by the time the beginning of this format rolls around, uh, what date was it in July, July 31st, I think. July 31st. Yeah, so yes. around that time, I assume, uh, I assume by that time, most things will be better. And I think by them going with to Disney, I think it'll create quite the, uh, quite the spectacle for people to, uh, to watch if, if there will be any kind of, outside spectators but and uh to your point nate uh as you brought up the fact that there's only nine eastern conference teams i think i agree with you that takes makes total sense because when you look at the standings right now five of the bottom seven teams in the league are eastern conference teams so i think if you're just adding in teams like the Knicks or the bulls that don't really have a shot i don't think there's really it doesn't really make sense for the league to uh just do that and waste the games because i think Especially with them playing these eight regular season games, I think you want all the the best teams to be there, and I think the Knicks and Detroit and the Hawks aren't a you part want, of that. You want every game to be meaningful basketball. You just want it to be able. You want to be able to market it to every single NBA fan you possibly can. And not to say that these teams aren't that aren't in contention aren't necessarily marketable, but in terms of playoff playoff caliber basketball, a lot of teams aren't ready right now. And I think this format will benefit teams that are already ready and it'll put on quite the show for people who are actually willing to watch. And I, I'm glad that we uh, mentioned the eight games that they're going to play. I think it's kind of interesting because when you look at a lot of the other sports, like a uh, quick shout out to the MLS who just announces part of their CBA that they'll be doing a tournament format for the start of their season. I think it's kind of interesting that the NBA is kind of going against the grain from the NHL and the MLS as in playing eight regular season games before the playoffs started. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it'll be good. Um, now, I'm not sure. Is it 
are they basing these eight games off of their current record, or is it a clean slate for these eight games? I think it's just adding on to their record. I don't. It's not a hundred percent. Obviously, there's still information that's not out. We just had reports, but from what I've heard, it's going to be adding on to their current uh, record or standing. Okay. Well, standings. in terms of teams that have already clinched or close to clinching, I mean, at that point, you're basically you're shooing at that point. Um, I mean, I don't think I'm not not to say that the games mean less for the teams that are higher seeded because it's still getting back into the swing of things because all these players have been off for. Well, at least the majority of them for the same amount of time. Not all of them can be uh, can be assumed to have been working out this whole time. So, I think the eight games will just be more so a refresher to those guys who haven't been uh, haven't been on the court or haven't been able to practice with their team for a while. Um, but I think it'll help because it gives uh, some of the lower seeds a chance to move around, maybe get an easier matchup, and at the same time, maybe invite uh, a playoff contender that wasn't necessarily in the playoff picture to begin this eight this eight game uh, format prior to the playoffs to. Uh, give them a chance to actually make it in. Yeah, I think, obviously, nothing's perfect uh, in this scenario. So, you know, I think my only downside, if we were going to play that uh, positive-negative game, is that I don't, like, I don't want Kyle Lowry or Giannis getting injured in the first eight games being regular season games. So I think it'll be interesting to see how these teams play their players, especially if you're a team like, the Clippers or the Lakers or the Raptors or the Bucks, especially knowing that you're going to be in the playoffs and you're probably going to keep uh, your position. I think it's kind of interesting to see how they're going to assign players their minutes during the game, just so that we avoid the entries. But again, like you said, I a hundred percent agree that, you know, this, there's all, this can only be a good thing for the NBA because you're adding more games. You're leading up, especially in that Western conference, to a big push for the end for the playoffs. And then, like Woj said in the tweet, there's going to be that 8C play-in game that's almost like a wild-card game. And I think just having those games lead into that is the perfect like build-up for an NBA fan to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, I think um, I don't think there are many negatives that come with this format. As you said, the, uh, the risk and the likelihood of an injury or a meaningful injury for a contending team is always at the forefront of people's minds when it comes to whether a game is necessary or unnecessary. But in the same right, I mean, I think, I think for the most part, the eight games prior to the playoffs are definitely a positive, as I said, for, for giving them a chance to warm up and get back in the swing of things and getting, getting the action back around basketball, because really in terms of professional sports, uh, there hasn't really been much, much talk or much excitement regarding regarding uh, actual play. So in terms of all these leagues getting back into uh, the swing of things in order to give a spectacle to all of us sports fans who haven't had a chance to watch live sports in a while, I think it's going to be refreshing and something definitely to look forward to. I think uh, what's on my mind, going back to the whole first eight games injury thing, do you think if you're the Lakers and you've played seven games, are you sitting out LeBron in that eighth game? Or are you putting LeBron every game, but he's only playing, like, 20 minutes. What do you think? Or do you think he's just going to play, like, normal? Um, I mean, LeBron LeBron isn't a guy that usually goes down to injury. And I don't mean to – I hope to not jinx that in any way, shape, or form. But in the same way, I mean, there hasn't been many times when he hasn't been the focal point on the court, uh, whether or not whether or not he's playing the majority of minutes at the same time whenever he's on the court, you take notice. Um. But in saying that, I mean, in terms of resting star players, it'll, as as I said earlier, just depend where you fall currently in the seeding. 
I mean, if you're a team that's already clinched a playoff spot, I mean, if you're confident in your guys, you don't really care if you end up sliding up or down if you bench a guy like Luka or LeBron or Giannis or Harden or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think for the lower for the lower seed teams, I mean, this is a chance for them to move up through the ranks and end up getting an easier matchup or a better path throughout the playoffs if they think they can make a deep push. So for the lower seeds, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot more risk involved in terms of playing playing players longer minutes and playing your starters and your core guys longer. But if you've already if you've already clinched or you're already pretty much a solidified top seed, I don't really feel the need to be exposing these superstars to the risk of injury. Um, even even in the fact that they may be going for personal accolades like MVPs and stuff like that, or even just career highs in certain statistical categories. But I don't know if that really warrants the risk that an eight-game uh, small regular season before the playoffs would bring. Yeah, I think, like, looking at all these teams, the Western Conference is very interesting, obviously, with 13 teams making it. But I actually think going over to the East, I think the Brooklyn Nets is obviously one of the more fascinating teams, especially with that question whether Kevin Durant will come back for these eight games plus the playoffs for the Brooklyn Nets. Like, because when you look at the standings, they, they're they 22 games back of Milwaukee, but they're only roughly about eight games back of the of uh, Philadelphia. So if they can just go on a tear, they can even move up in the standings. So I wonder if, especially with Durant on full rest, if uh, Brooklyn comes out of the gates firing, if they have Durant. So I guess what I'm asking is, do you think Durant will play in this kind of tournament style thing in Orlando? And do you think if he does, the Nets can move up in the standings? Um, I mean, for the to be honest, for the love of the game, I'd love to see Durant back. I mean, he is... He is arguably one of arguably one of the best scorers of all time. So I mean, you want to see you want to see him on the court whenever you can. Um, but if he does end up coming back for those uh, for those eight regular season games before, I mean, there is still a lot that could happen. And I mean, it is tough to look at these Eastern Conference standings and see that they are currently significantly behind teams like Philadelphia and Indiana still, who are still middle of the pack, but they're nine games back. I mean, eight nine games back respectively for both, but. I um I think seeing him coming back and whether or not he plays in the first eight games, I think he'll end up playing in the playoffs, uh, given that they make it there. Um, but I think his his impact his impact is kind of unmeasurable. I mean, you know when he's on the court that he's an immediate threat. He's your go to number one scoring option. And at the same time, even if he's not, even if he's not a hundred percent, use him as a Scottie Pippen, and just play him as a decoy. If he's not fully healthy, just let him go out there, play passively. He doesn't have to go full out. Just let him get back into the swing of things, see how his muscles are feeling. And he could always just play as a decoy. But I, I'd like to see Durant back. And I think it would really bolster their roster if uh, if he ends up getting back fully healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, – I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't come back because uh, Sam Cox, a writer at ESPN, was writing last week that a lot of Durant's representatives were saying – to Team USA that he was going to be ready for the Olympics this summer, which have now been postponed. So that makes you think, like, if he was going to be ready for the Olympics, why couldn't he play in this tournament? And I think, like you already mentioned perfectly, it's it's Kevin Durant. Like, I think he's one of the more underrated uh, top players in the league. I wouldn't necessarily say he's underrated. I mean, he's, he's when fully healthy. I mean, he's pretty much an inarguable top five player in the NBA. Um... And at the same time, I mean, he does get a lot of criticism, of course, when he moved to Golden State 
People thought he was a snake. I mean, whether or not that's truly justified, I'm not going to be the one to comment on that. But his talent is still indisputable. I mean, at his at his peak, he's a top three player in the NBA when fully healthy at any given time. I mean, he's just a scoring machine. I mean, he shoots over everybody. He's practically unguardable unless you guard him perfectly. So, I mean, by him coming back, that, that team is immediately boosted. And seeing him on the court, I think, would just invite a lot of fans to tune into Nets games just to see him back finally. Yeah, I, I think the like I going back to I, we keep on talking about the West. I think the West is the most interesting considering thirteen teams are making it from the West. Who do you think is the sleeper team in the West, especially through that like seven to thirteen range? Who do you think could really um, turn some heads and maybe move up into the playoffs? I mean, I would love to see the Pelicans make it in strictly so that they could get the eight seed and play the Lakers. I think that would be probably the most entertaining first round series. Uh, I think that and a fully healthy Brooklyn Nets against the Raptors would also be extremely entertaining. Um, But in the same right, I mean, that Pelicans team is just built purely off of youth skill. And I mean, they haven't really been tested yet because their roster really isn't I don't think they're right. Not to say that the roster isn't talented enough to make a run. I just don't think they have enough experience at this given point to make a deep run in the playoffs. Um, But if they could come out and win six of these eight games, I mean, at that point, they're two games ahead of the Grizzlies. Who says the Grizzlies can't fall? I mean, there's always a chance. I mean, all these teams are going to come back looking for a shot and they're going to have to play their best basketball of the year in order to get in. So it's going to be going to be do or die for a lot of these teams i i'm really hoping to see the falcons i think if they if they could end up making it in and somehow make it past the lakers i think they could go for a deep run yeah i i agree with you i think i said on the earlier podcast that uh i really want to see zion in the playoffs but i also when looking at those teams i think portland really intrigues me i think you know damian lillard it's hard to knock that team especially like I think we've seen throughout Lillard, Lillard, sorry, Lillard's career that if he can get hot in a short span, he can just take over games for Portland. So I think, you know, I mean, it also depends. Like, we don't know the schedule, so we don't know how, like, it's going to shake up who's going to be playing who necessarily at least 22 games. But I could see, like, if, say, Portland plays a lot of these teams that are below the top five seeds in the West, I could see them going on a run and maybe overthrowing Memphis and maybe having to play in that game for the mm-hmm. eighth seed in the West. Do you okay, I think the the team that's interesting that interests me the most is um sorry. Mm-hmm. Is the Suns. Because I didn't expect them to like I like I said on an earlier podcast, I uh, thought that they're gonna do twenty teams in the playoffs. And I think it's kinda interesting that they've included the Suns into these playoffs. How do you feel about that? And do you think the Suns can do anything with these eight games? I mean, I think right now, I don't think that they... Um, the Suns have a lot of great individual talent. I mean, to be honest, I, the Suns' management has been kind of a joke. I mean, the last half decade, I mean, it's really not hard to... You could ask pretty much any NBA fan and they'd tell you that the Suns do not know how to handle management and be able to put a team around talented players. I mean, i.e. Devin Booker. Um, But I mean, if 
again, I think Booker's a guy like Dame where if he gets hot, he can also take over a game. I mean, he's a pure scorer at the guard position. So I think I think off the shoulders of him and Aiton and some of their other elite role players, I think that they could have a shot in making it deep. But again, it's just whether or not these eight games are adding on to current standings or whether or not they're fresh. I mean, I think that'll be that'll be a huge deciding factor in this whether or not uh, whether or not some of these lower seed teams actually have as fair a shake as we think they do. Um, but I don't see it very likely that the Suns get in. I think I think pretty much every other team above them is is more deep and more talented than them and have a better shot at getting in. But if the Suns were to get in, I think it would still be entertaining to see Book and Book and Aiton in the playoffs, but. I guess I guess time will have to uh, time will have to tell. Yeah, I think one of the other intriguing things about this is that uh, we've uh, heard a lot about the uh, the format. I think it's for the playoffs, even though they won't start right away. But how it could change. I'm just wondering uh, on your thoughts of whether you want the uh, one to sixteen seating, like has been mentioned, where you would see, for example a team like the Bucks playing the worst of the 16 teams making the playoffs? Or do you want to see it be more like a conference style, like normal, like a one-to-eight? Just eight keep it simple. Eight. I just want to see a one-to-eight. I don't want – like with all these new formats that these leagues are coming out with, I want some kind of consistency in terms of league history. I mean, I don't think we have to fully change every single thing that the playoff format has been prior. I mean, I feel like the conference – the conference one through eight seeding, I mean, I think that's pretty fine. I don't really think you have to touch that. But if they do choose to change it, I mean, I don't think there are many. I don't think there's really a positive or negative to it. I think it's just something new. But I would definitely want to see the one through eight seeding if I had my choice. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about uh, the one to 16. So just for the uh, all the people out there, I'm going to give some examples like you'd see the bucks play the magic as to see matchups like the lakers versus the nets the raptors versus the grizzlies rockets versus the jazz and the celtics versus 76ers so i kind of i'm kind of a fan of chaos i'd like to admit i think that having this 1 to 16 ranking would be very interesting i think you know it also is going to reward the best teams in the NBA. So like the Bucks and the Raptors and the Lakers by playing worse teams in air quotes, because most of these teams are going to be good teams making it into the playoffs. Well, not most, all of them. But like, I think when you look at that, I also think it creates, in my opinion, some of the more interesting matchups, especially like the one I didn't mention was the Miami Heat versus uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. I think that could be a really interesting matchup mm. with, um, Sorry, uh, um, Butler going up against, uh, I won't keep on saying Durant, but it's Kevin Hart, or no, it's not Kevin Hart, Harden, James Harden, and uh, yeah, their, their former uh, teammate, Russell Westbrook, so, or not former teammate, um, I don't know what I'm saying, Russell Westbrook, but I think matchups like that are going to be entertaining. I mean, playoff basketball is always entertaining, but maybe mixing it up since you have the liability and like the chance to do that because it's a pandemic. I think why not take that shot? Cause who knows, maybe you move forward with it. I don't know. It just seems interesting to me. Yeah. I get where you're coming from on that. I also think like my main takeaway from this, I don't know, maybe it's cause I'm a more hockey central guy is that if they do start on July 31st, I think that's around the time when the NHL is planning on starting. 
so if you're so what would you pick to watch because like there's going to be conflicting games obviously if the NBA and the NHL go on at the same time so who do you think I mean oh sorry go ahead so yeah I was just going to ask what league are you going to watch the most and and just maybe explain why you would want to watch one more than the other I mean, in a perfect world, I'm probably going to ideally want to watch both. And I mean, I am blessed to have two screens in my room. So I'd most likely have them both on at the same time if I wanted to kind of double dip my chip in terms of two sports at the same time. But I mean, for me personally, I've grown into more of a basketball guy, but hockey's always been at my heart. And especially with the possibility of the Leafs not having to play the Bruins, um, I would probably... I'd be more intrigued to watch the NHL off the bat, but once the uh, once the NBA gets a bit deeper, like of course I'm still going to be following the Raptors. I mean the Raptors are my team. Um, I mean I'm still going to be following following deep whether or not I'm watching live or not. So I'll be I'll be tuned into both. But in terms of viewing it in the time, I mean probably the NHL off the bat, and then once the uh, once the earlier rounds of the NBA start, I think that's when my focus will shift to the uh, to NBA viewing for sure. Yeah, I'm. I I think I sort of agree. I mean, I am a very big hockey guy. I think I'm probably going to watch the NHL more through during those first eight games for all of the teams because I'm assuming that's going to take a long time to complete. So I think my eyes are going to be more set on that opening play-in round for the NHL as opposed to watching the top, those like eight regular season games because like we said, uh, the Raptors already in the playoffs as far as we know unless these eight games mix it up. But I think, you know, with the Raptors are in the playoffs, as a Raptors fan, sure, if, say, like, the Raptors end up playing the Lakers, I might want to watch that. But I think I would want to watch a playoff hockey game over that. And then once the NBA comes back, like you said, I am i don't have two TVs, but I might do some channel flipping, try to watch both. But I think, I think for me personally, especially if the Raptors get late into this playoffs, I think, you know, I'm going to be ride or die, sorry, ride or die Raptors. Mm-hmm. And then going back, sorry, I just wanted to mention this, looking at the standings for the Raptors, I know everyone was joking before that technically we're back-to-back champs if this season didn't finish, which is kind of funny, but also true. Looking at... Hey, you can't lose it. You can't lose it if you don't have to defend it. Exactly. So I think looking at their ways to get, like, their way to get to the playoffs is kind of, in the NBA Finals, is kind of interesting because especially in the 1-16 format. They're going to play, obviously, a tough team in the Grizzlies, but I think they can beat the Grizzlies. I don't know. Do you agree with that? I think they have a better shot beating the Grizzlies than they do with the Nets. I think I think the Nets with the two peer scoring options of Kyrie and KD back fully healthy, possibly, fingers crossed. But I think I think the Raptors could do better at stifling a team of decent young talent as opposed to two superstar veterans with good role players around them. So, I I mean, it'll just, it'll depend what format they choose, but I think if the Raptors, if they keep it, if they keep it within conferences, I feel like they'd have a bit of trouble with Brooklyn, at least maybe early in, in a, in a hypothetical series. But I think in terms of them making it deep, I think the one to 16 would definitely play a bit more into them making it a bit farther. Yeah, I think it's. I think also the Raptors. What a lot of people forget about is the Raptors were, besides the Bucks, were one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. I think you know. Yeah. 
you look at that team and you think about kind of more of the players like Siakam and uh, and obviously Lowry and Gasol, but I think all those players, when you think about them, also are really good defensively, which I don't know. Maybe last year you could have said this, but in years past for the Raptors, I don't know if you could really say that. So I think having that in mind, especially with, you know, having this kind of run-and-gun defense or a run-and-gun game that could possibly come out of the playoffs, if the Raptors can be the one team that can quickly make a solid defense in these playoffs, I think they can go a far ways no matter who they play. I don't know if you agree with me or not. Um, I mean, just looking at it now, I'm almost rethinking what I just said, strictly off the fact that the West, the West, in my opinion, is a lot deeper. Like the talented, like, because really one to seven, one to seven in the West is much more talented one than one to seven in the East. I think that's pretty, just by looking at the teams that are there, I mean, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Rockets, and the Mavs. And I mean, I think most of those teams would beat the bottom 10, 10 to 12 teams in the East on any given night, to be quite honest. But uh, yeah, I mean, wait, sorry, what did you say again? Uh, basically, do you think that the Raptors defense will be like a, a factor a big factor in terms of like, okay, basically what I'm saying is that I think the Raptors can make, like have a better defense than most teams coming out of this break. I was asking, do you think that's going to be an advantage for them and help them win the NBA championship if they do? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. I mean, it's been a, it's been a statement as old as time, but defense does win championships. I mean, you get teams in the NFL, like the Broncos who unfortunately stifled my Carolina Panthers in Super Bowl 50. Um, but that was an entirely defensive show and their defense won them and stole that game. Um, and in the same right, I mean, elite team defense in the NBA, especially these days is very hard to come by. I mean, if you're looking at a team one through five, who can defend every single asset of the game in terms of interior defense, perimeter, perimeter D rebounding, things like that. I mean, you're looking at a complete team and in that regard, I mean, good defense also opens up for elite transition offense, which. The Raptors over the last few years have been very, very fortunate to have elite transition offense. Um, but I think their defense, their defense will just open up opportunities on both sides of the floor. And I think that's just, that's a huge positive going forward to know that you can trust guys in the defensive end to get stops, to open up chances for you on offense to take leads. I mean, that's pretty irreplaceable. I think going to your point about like the West being really strong and then the Raptors playing in the East, the Raptors record for everyone back at home against the Western Conference teams was 16 and 8 this year. So they had a they had a pretty good record against the West. I think, you know. Yeah, but they were also they were also 30 and 10 in the East. I mean, you can't really bat an eye at that. That's pretty that's pretty elite. I I think I think the one thing that one or sorry, one game that I keep on going back to when I think about the Raptors in defense is that game that they went to uh, Los Angeles in the beginning of the season, and they beat LeBron and the and the Lakers without having um, Lowry and uh, Gasol. I think when you look at that, just like they're such a deep team. I don't think people give them enough credit for how deep they are. I mean, obviously, I think you know playing against the Bucks would be tough. I don't know if they win that series for me, but yeah, I like I don't know. I just the more I think about, it, the more I think they could win this whole thing. Maybe I'm just a homer, but I mean, 
it's it's not it's not the craziest thought. I mean, you look at you look at even our role players and guys we have on our roster that can make it immediate impacts. I mean, you have a lot of guys like especially in the NBA playoffs, there are a lot of guys who come out and end up being huge X factors in the NBA playoffs, just strictly off of getting hot at the right time. And I mean, we, we do have a lot of young talent on the roster who can do things like that. And I mean, Chris Boucher isn't particularly young at 27, but he's really starting to come into his own this year. And I mean, elite, elite two-way game is, is extremely valuable in the playoffs. And I think Boucher is something that could definitely provide that provide that for the Raptors like a second gas almost off the bench so I mean the team the team's poised for a run I mean it's just whether or not they take advantage and uh take advantage of their positioning in the east or end up taking advantage of their seating in the one through 16 to uh end up making a deep run but as I said before I mean time will tell it's really too too early to judge anything right now I think uh to quickly just to finish off the segment of us talking about the NBA I want to know who your picks for the NBA Finals are in the 1-16 format and the 1-8 through eight format, as they stand right now. Obviously, they can change. But if the playoffs are today, who would you pick to be in the Finals? The Finals? Yeah. Okay, did you say regardless of 1-8 through eight or 1-16? through 16? No, I said for each, like, one. Whether it's 1-16 for oh, 16 okay, or 1-8. Yeah. So, so if they stick to regular conference seating, the 1-8, through eight, um... My Western Conference pick is probably the Clippers, and then Ooh, okay, and then my Eastern Conference pick. If they stick with conferences, I think the Raptors are going to come out in conferences. So it'll be if it sticks to the one through eight seating per conference. My finals is the Raptors and the Clippers. Um, the Clippers, the Clippers. I feel like Kawhi could just have another Kawhi moment, and I feel like that's something that. It's, it's very hard to predict, and it's something that's very hard to judge most times. But, I mean, again, the Clippers the Clippers, alongside the Raptors are both two really good defensive teams. And if they can both show up on the defensive side of the ball in the playoffs and hold good scoring teams to low numbers, I mean, they'll win games strictly off of how good their offense is. But, I mean, and then through the 1-16, one, one through 16, I mean, oh, that's so tough. Um. If it's if it's one through sixteen, I think the Lakers would really benefit from playing some of these lower seeded Eastern Conference teams, depending on who they end up playing. Um, so if it's if it's one through sixteen, I think I'm taking yeah, I'm thinking I'm just taking the one seeds on both sides. I mean, I think both of these teams would benefit by playing some lower seeded teams. So yeah, Bucks Bucks and Lakers as my one through sixteen. I think for me, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit for the one through eight. I think, you know, Kawhi, obviously, Kawhi is a great player. And, you know, have, him having Paul George, it's a really good team. And Lou Williams, and, you know, we could go on and on and on about that team. But I think, like, when you look at the Lakers, they're just, they're just like, a better team, in my opinion. Just, yeah, like, don't get me wrong. And, the Lakers are an extremely good team, and they have just as much a chance they have probably the biggest chance of anyone to come out of that conference. But at the same time, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You don't know how good these teams are going to be coming back for these eight games and how prepped they're going to be for a long uh, postseason stretch. So, I mean, a fully, a fully healthy LeBron and AD, I don't think that can be stopped, but at the same time, a fully healthy Giannis with their elite uh, secondary cast. I mean, that's another, that's another scary sight. So I don't know. So yeah, for my one through eight, I think my NBA finals right now is, 
the Lakers for the West. Just because also, like you mentioned, we mentioned obviously AD and uh, LeBron, but also think about like Kuzma, like Green, like they they got a deep team over there. And then when you're looking over at the East, even though, you know, the Raptors, they're a great, they're a great team. I just think Giannis has been on a mission this year to prove that he's the best player in the world. And I think he's just going to, He's going to take over that series. I think the Raptors are great defensively, but I think when you look at Giannis, I think he's just going to take over. So I think for my finals for a one through eight playoffs, it'd be Lakers versus Bucks. And then looking at the one through 16, it's a little bit harder. I think the, at least the way I'm looking at it, the one uh, format I'm looking at it right here, I think I would have the Raptors in the finals because I think the Bucks having to play uh, OKC's interesting matchup in the second round, mm-hmm. and I don't know if the Bucks could beat OKC, and then also having them have the chance to have to play either the the Jazz or Rockets is also very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I think they just have a tougher time, and I think also the Raptors, like for example, they would have to play the Grizzlies, and then they would beat the Grizzlies, in my opinion, like we already mentioned. And then they would, if we're going off seeding, they'd play the Nuggets, which, don't get me wrong, the Nuggets are a really tough team. They're they're a really good team, but I think they can beat the Nuggets too. So I think from 1 to 16, I'm going with Raptors for the East. And then I think I'm either, I think I'm going to go, yeah, Raptors and Lakers. I think either way you slice it, the Lakers are going to make the NBA Finals. Um, I just wanted to touch real quick. I'm looking at these standings and... I kind of have – I think the Heat could kind of be a bit of a sleeper in the East. Um, just off of the fact that Bam Adebayo has been so unreal for the last two years, and he's extremely athletic for how tall he is. And I think he could he could be a very suitable Giannis stopper, or at least an attempt to do that. Um, I, I think know- also them having – Jimmy Butler too is, and they do, and they do have a lot of youth as well. Like, and I just think, I think that Heat team, if they could get hot, like they have a lot of very streaky talent, and Bam Adebayo is just starting to come into his own. So, I think, I think if they could stun the Bucks in a few games in that series, I think, I think the Heat could be the team to knock off the Bucks and maybe even make a deep run. But I just, I like the way that that could possibly match up. I like the Heat as a possible underdog. I think an underdog for me, since you brought up an underdog, is also from the Eastern Conference because, you know, the West is just so stacked. I don't think you can call necessarily right now a Western no. Conference team in the playoffs an underdog. I think, you know, they were like they were third in the East, but I still consider them an underdog because everyone just shits all over them, and that's the Celtics. I think, like, you know, Jason Tatum, like, when you, like, just look at that roster, I think, you know, they've been third in the East. You know, they haven't really been able to get over the hump and beat the Raptors and Bucks consistently. But I think, in especially in a 1-16 format, where they don't have to play the Bucks and Raptors in the second round or possibly even the third round, I think when you look at that, that's a huge advantage for the Celtics. And I think they could be a team to watch, especially coming off this huge break uh, going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So I think... So I think that's going to be it for NBA. But now I think we're going to go into our first-rate media. So just after this quick couple-second break, we're going to do first-rate media. Thanks, guys.
All right, so do you know what you want to do for first-rate media? Uh, yeah, Wes, Wes Unseld, a uh, Washington Basketball Hall of Famer, uh, passed away yesterday. He was, uh, okay. was a, he was a Hall of Fame center, so I was just going to touch on that a little bit. All right, sounds good. And then I'll do the beer thing. Okay. Yeah, you can you can start. So you were. All right. So we're gonna start up again in five, four, three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to First Rate Media. I think my favorite segment of the show, where me and Nate go around the internet. We try to find what we like or what we find is funny, or if we want to pay homage to someone. I think this is where we do it, and I think. You know, obviously mine's going to be a little bit more goofier than Nate's this week, obviously knowing what it is. But I think I got to pull it up real quick, but I just want to give a shout out to this beer company in, uh, in New Jersey called DeWolf. DeWolf? What is it? Uh, what is it called? Sorry, give me a second. Oh, sorry. Departed Souls. I don't know why I thought it was DeWolf. Departed Souls. They've made a four pack that when you put it on an angle... It says trash can bangers, and then it has the old Houston Astros, like, yellow and orange design on the bottom of the cans, just trolling the Houston Astros. It came out a couple weeks ago. I haven't got a chance to talk about it, but just want to shout out Departed Souls in New Jersey for um, doing that, because I think that's so creative and really funny. Yeah, exposing the Astros for being some trash can banging scumbags. <laughs> And then, Nate, what was your uh, first-rate media for this week? Uh, yeah, so unfortunately we didn't get to record yesterday when this uh, when this news is more current, but uh, Wes Unseld, formerly of the Washington Bullets, passed away yesterday at the age of 74. Uh, he played 13-season career, five-time All-Star, and one of only two players in NBA history to be the NBA Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same season. Um, I mean, he was... He was only six seven, but he played. He played basically a Dennis Rodman game before Dennis Rodman was even a thing. And he's an NBA Hall of Famer. I mean, extremely talented player, very highly regarded to uh, to past teammates and former players who played alongside him. And honestly, very sad passing. He's he's one of the top fifty players in league history. I mean, his accolades go on and on. So it's just very sad to see him go. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's like it's always really tough when we see a legend of any game pass away, and I think, you know, obviously from what you've been saying that he's definitely a legend of the NBA game. So, I think all of us here at OTL and on the OTL podcast want to wish his family all the best, and uh, hopefully uh, they can uh, get over this tragic loss in the in these times. But I think, on that note, <laughs> that's gonna do it for us this week on the Overline Sports Podcast. A couple articles I just wanted to note. Uh, Nate just released yesterday his Last Dance article talking about the Michael Jordan documentary, and you definitely need to go check that out. It's on overlinesports.ca. You can also find it linked in our Instagram right now and also in Nate's Instagram, which, Nate, sorry, what what is your Instagram uh, again? Nate underscore Kennedy, and the first E is a three, and that's two N's in Kennedy. And then do you have anything else that you want to either shout out or that you're working on right now that you want to mention? Uh, no, I mean, uh, doing a uh, dra- uh, rookie profile on Joe Burrow that should be dropping uh, hopefully in the next week or so. Um, just going to be doing more podcast episodes of Curtis, but uh, be sure to go give that uh, Last Dance article a read. I read it over a lot, made sure it was good. So it be much appreciated if you guys check that out. 
Yeah, and then if you wanted to follow me, I mean, you don't have to, but if you wanted to, uh, I am cmartin2292 on Instagram, and uh, I am this I am CurtisMartin3876 on Twitter. If you want to know my instant thoughts on the news that is coming out, you can always go follow me there. And then, again, for Overline Sports, if you do want to check out this website, because this is the main reason why we do the podcast, is because we want you guys to check out our work. Make sure to go to overlinesports.ca and make sure to follow at OTLSportsCA on Instagram for all the latest news on podcast release, article updates, or even the latest on the in the world of sports. So I think that's going to do it for us today, guys. And I just want you to also make sure, almost forgot this again, that you follow us on Spotify and Apple Music or podcasts and give us the five stars so that you can see this podcast more often, so you're up to date, and also so that we can spread more and get more listeners. Um, and that being said, I want to thank you for listening today, and I uh, want you to have a great day, and make sure to go check out overlinesports.ca. Have a good one, guys. Uh-huh.